right, welcome to our eighth episode of Leafs Fans in Hostile Lands, the podcast where three Leaf fans talk about their experiences with a bunch of Sens fans around them. We've got our usual criminals here, Craig Shaw, Daniel Britton, and yours truly, Kyle, Dr. Sexy Nurse. Wasn't that the nickname, Woo! Craig? Was that it? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. We're going to try to keep that one rolling here. Don't forget to put in the comments, Dr. Sexy Nurse. What would you like to operate on next? <laughs> <laughs> All right, we had three Leafs games this week, two against Ottawa, one against Montreal. Let's pass it to our quick recap from Craig Shaw. Take it away, buddy. All right, so we started off the first game this week against Ottawa, coming out of that uh, blowing lead in the game on Tuesday. So this week it started off with uh, the two teams started off a little bit hesitant, uh, playing more of a defensive game, not wanting to make any sort of mistakes. With the scoreless first period, we go into the second, and Austin Matthews scores his 14th goal of the season, but his uh, trade goal with uh, Brady Kachuk, and going into the third period, tied 1-1. Um, Toronto gets some good sustained pressure from the third line, um, gets uh, Jake Muzzin coming off the bench with a nice pass over to uh, um, Kerfoot, who gets a goal, and is the game winner, so that's all they needed for a 2-1 win against Ottawa. Um, they come right back to it the next night, doing a back-to-back. This game was all from the first line. So Marners, uh, Matthews, and Jumbo Joe combined for 11 points that game. Matthews scores twice. Uh, he scores number 15 and number 16 on the season. And Ottawa just couldn't keep up with a final score of 7-3 for Toronto. So this Saturday, we had our third game against the Montreal Canadiens. Um, the second time within a week that they've played each other. Last time Montreal won before the uh, with two goals in the end of the third period. Toronto came back and... Uh, they were going to show Montreal that they were the best team in the division. Coming into the second period in a scoreless game, Toronto scores two goals in 17 seconds uh, on a 5-on-3 power play and then on the 5-on-4 uh, the right afterwards. But Montreal comes back within two and a half minutes and ties it back up with two goals of their own. Matthews and Marner each had a goal in the second period to lead 4-2 uh, at, after the second. Uh, Montreal did score, with a, but the goal was disallowed after two reviews. We'll get into that one a little bit more later. Kerfoot and Defoley each score in the third period, but it's not enough for Montreal, and Toronto wins 5-3. What a great stretch of games. Three for three. Not bad, I think this bad, is eh? the first time we've had a podcast where the, the Leafs have won all three. Feeling really good right now. Really, really good. Let's take a look at our standings, shall we? Uh, Daniel, talk to us about the points and that points percentage. Okay, so gentlemen, we're about 35% of the way through the season if you go by games played right now, and uh, the Leafs are sitting at a nice even number of 30 points, which I'm uh, kind of shocked and amazed at this point to see it, and I'm loving it. And then we've got a beautiful point percentage, which jumped up to number one last night after Florida lost and then Carolina won of uh, 0.789. So the Leafs are doing really well right now, and just the one other stat I'd like to point out on that is the uh, differential. The Leafs have the highest differential right now, which, you know, I mean, we've had a couple blowout games in the last two nights of really high scores, but, uh, you know, uh, it's not often we see this. So they're on a three-game win streak right now. Their last 10's been pretty fantastic. Uh, I'm hesitant but confident to say the Leafs are having a great year, and I'm really excited to see uh, the remainder of the season right now. And Craig, what's that magic number we probably need to get to in a 56-game season to say we're probably secure for the playoffs? Well, so for for a regular 82-game season, the magic number that they often say is 95 points to make it to the playoffs. So this year with the shortened season, the magic number is 65 points. So the Leafs only, you know, 35% of the way through the season are almost 50% of the way in their points to make it. Um, right now with their points percentage, they're on pace for 88 points in this shortened season. That's almost good enough to make it the playoffs in a regular season. So they're doing pretty well. Um, if it was a regular season, they're on pace for 129 points. That would be probably top five in NHL records um, for a season. So they're on a great pace right now. If they can keep it up. Um, the only team that so far this season, you know, that everyone's saying that is going to challenge Toronto for the first place is Montreal. And Toronto's got 10 points up on them right now. So I think yeah. if they can keep this up this week with a couple games that, uh, against the Western teams, they'll uh, they'll be in good place to you know hopefully coast the rest of the season to a playoff spot. Yeah, let's take a look at that Scotia North division going on here. 
Toronto, like you said, with 30 points. And believe it or not, the Montreal Canadiens have dropped to fourth now uh, with that 10-point gap only at 20 points. Now, that's only with 16 games played. They still mm-hmm. have the second-best points percentage. Uh, but Edmonton taking the second-place spot in terms of points with 24, Winnipeg with 21. I don't think anybody is really surprised with Montreal or Winnipeg continuing to be in a playoff spot. But Calgary kind of dropping off a little bit below 500 meaning they have not won 50% of their games. Uh, Vancouver and Ottawa sitting basically where they are and uh, might stay. Uh, Vancouver, however, going on a bit of a streak recently against Calgary. So it's interesting to see what's going on in this division, other than the Leafs, who are being absolutely dominant. Uh, Should we talk about that dominance first, gentlemen, that Marner-Matthews dominance that we saw this week? Um, If I'm checking out the stats... We got Connor McDavid at the top. You know what? Totally fine. Respect where respect uh, is deserved. Well, consider and, he put up five points last night alone. Yeah, Just when we think took, that yeah, Matthews and Marner point. are catching up to him, he goes off and uh, does a skill showcase on the uh, on the Calgary Flames last night. Yeah, absolutely. Calgary had a bad night though. Like they had a really bad night specifically last night. So it, we, as Leafs fans, we know that happens, right? Absolutely, yes. absolutely. Our uh, tied for second, we've got Dreisaitl and Mitchell Marner. What a guy. And then third with only one point behind that, Austin Matthews. So cool to see our two big boys at the top of the points leaders in the entire National Hockey League. And really cool to see the majority of uh, the North Division at the top there as well. We got uh, Mark Scheifele as well. Brock Besser putting out a lots of goals behind uh, just Matthews. What do you guys think? Do you think these guys can sustain this? Our top line really producing points at this pace. Matthews almost getting like two goals a game. Like I think in the past three games, he had two goals a game, at least the past two. Um, do you guys think they, they can sustain this? So, I mean, Matthews is having an extraordinary season, and um, I heard an interesting quote. I can't remember uh, during the broadcast last night who they were talking about um, when they were saying it, but it was one of the greats. I I think uh, maybe Lemieux it was. And, um, you know, they said he knew that he was going to have an 80-goal season, and so he knew when he went out that 50 goals is just a milestone on that path to 80 goals. And he was going to get it no matter what. And that's kind of what they were saying is Matthews is having that kind of year where he goes out and he knows he's going to score a goal. It just depends on when. And he's got Marner feeding him the puck. And so it's almost inevitable that if you give Matthews and Marner a little bit of room to skate, and if the Leafs are able to have a little bit of offensive pressure, he's going to score. He can beat most goalies in the NHL. Luckily, we're only against five of them. Well, plus backups. Um, but, you know, he's having a great season. Uh, top of the uh, scoreboard for goals, and then Marner's right up there for assists. They're a great pair. Now, we're going to go against Edmonton the next two games, who's also in a three-game win streak, and they also have massive offense. So if if they're going to have a slowdown, I would think right now would kind of be a reasonable time for that to happen. I don't want it to. You know, oh, no. well, yeah, I think that they uh, that they've shown already that they're going to be able to keep this up because they're only playing six other teams this season and they've shown that they can score against all six teams. You know, we're not having to worry about playing, you know, Vasilevsky or Rask or anything like that. So there's no reason why Matthews can't score 55 goals this season, um, even do the 50 goals in 50 games. And Marner's shown, like they were saying on the broadcast the other night. Um, that he has become an elite level scorer. He doesn't need space in front of the net to be able to get that puck up and over the goalie's shoulder. Um, and with him being, you know, with a little bit more of a shoot first mentality, makes him an even more dangerous passer because a goalie can't just expect that Marner's going to pass. Um, he's shown that he's got the uh, he's got the skills to score goals this season, and you know, being second in the league in um, points that right now is showing that that uh, that contract of his, you know, a lot of people have uh, um, don't feel too great about that uh, $10 million contract, but he's shown that he's uh, he's scoring, you know, worth every penny of it. And, and Marner's tied for seventh for goals. So, like, he can do it. As you said, he's doing it, too. It's a great tandem we're seeing. It looks like the uh, the North Division is trying to do their best to imitate the uh, late 80s, early 90s with all the scoring this year. 
What a time. What a time to be a Canadian fan of a Canadian team. This really, is a fun really season. See. It's uh it seems like a completely different league yeah, this year with all the the goals in the uh this North Division. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of which, I'm finding that the rivalries are even better with uh, not only just the North Division playing each other, but having these mini-series, these kind of baseball-ish series going on. Uh, they're really, really fun. They're kind of like the playoffs. Uh, momentum stays involved, and and we get to learn about the teams that we face a little bit more instead of seeing them uh, between two and five times. Um, a cool example of this against Montreal was Muzzin and Anderson. And they not only were going at each other <laughs> last night, but in the previous uh, three games that we had seen Montreal. And it's whenever Muzzin's on the ice, Anderson seems to be on the ice and vice versa. And there's always a check and then some extra. And what was the, the funny tweets we saw last night about uh, like Muzzin just with his voice blowing over Anderson or something. Oh, Muzzin says fall. Anderson says, okay. <laughs> yeah, he just <laughs> fell. It's like they were playing on Lake Tahoe, just falling everywhere. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. There we go. <laughs> um, so really cool that these miniseries are, are drawing out these rivalries even more. And, and we get to see how they're going to play each other in, in eight games or in seven games kind of like the the playoffs. Anything to add to that or other stuff you've seen with some of the other teams that we've faced uh, quite a few times now? I don't have too much to add other than I just love the the intensity that this is bringing. I mean, by albeit except for the first Ottawa-Toronto game we had this week where they kind of started out uh, kind of tiptoeing on the ice, every game is so intense. It's not like watching a regular NHL game. It's like watching playoffs all the time. Um, and I think, you know, you were talking about the Muzzin and Anderson kind of duo last night and Anderson going by kind of face washing, readjusting Muzzin's helmet. And, you know, it's we're going to see more of that as we go through the season. And, um, you know, well, you don't want anybody to get hurt. These games are going to get much more physical. And I'm very much excited, let's say, to have Simmons come back, because as we get more physical, we're going to need those bigger players that and those kind of players that are responding to the physicality of the other teams. Uh, Montreal is a great example of how that happened last night. Like if you look at Montreal's hits um, against Toronto, uh, they had 44 hits to Toronto's 17. So can the Leafs sustain this through a playoff, a real playoff series? You know, that'll be the question. Speaking of a more physical uh, season, does someone want to remind Shea Weber that this isn't WrestleMania and you can't do a uh, arm grab <laughs> takedown on, uh, on players? Um, the referees seem to think that this is the playoffs, too, because they they really seem to put their whistles away and they're only really calling, you know, what they really need to call, um, which is making it very interesting. Um, you know, Toronto did go three for four in the power play last night, but oh, geez, there could have been a couple more penalties, you know, for both teams that just weren't called. Yeah, it seems to be a common theme for sure. And it may be from the refs getting a chance to see these teams more often. They're not rotating quite as much. The refs are the only refs in the North Division. They're not crossing the border. Um, so they're getting to see these teams a little bit more and maybe seeing their tendencies, uh, especially when it comes to maybe diving or players that are either drawing more penalties or causing more penalties. They're like, okay, enough. Or, you know what, you brought that upon yourself, so I'm not going to call it this time, get out of here sort of thing. Right. I know Kerfoot was uh, mentioned earlier that uh, so many, or no, that was something else I was watching. Uh, Kerfoot, so many penalties, and he's he's kind of cooled off now because the, the refs just kept calling him for everything, every little thing. So he's like, okay, fine, I'm not going to be quite as physical anymore. I'm going to stick with my speed. So maybe again with these mini series the refs are getting used to i'm excited for these couple games coming up i just just occurred to me that we're playing calgary and the last time we saw each other was that nice little puck flip from muzzin over to kachuk um so that's going to be uh an interesting uh scenario with those two back on the ice against each other in these games i don't know if you guys watched the game last night but kachuk was just on a tear him and bennett they're like oh yeah Oh, we're so frustrated. We're just going to be so physical. They were so intense. Bennett got into a fight. Kachuk was just bad-mouthing everyone. I do expect that to carry over to the Leafs, exactly uh, for what Craig just 
mentioned, and it's it's going to be exciting. But somehow I'm a little afraid because we don't have Simmons to back us up. Yep. Yeah, no, and we're going against Edmonton, Calgary twice, and then Edmonton twice in the next week. Edmonton's got the most uh, goals in the league uh, tied for the Leafs right now, actually. Um, they give up a few more goals per game than the Leafs, but this is going to be a real test for our defense. Uh, you know, that's kind of where I would say if we had to shore something up on the team right now would be the place. Um, Anderson's playing decently well, and then the offense obviously is blowing us out of the water, so blowing everyone else out of the water. So um, it's going to be a test for the defense coming up. Um, and as you said, Kyle, with the Calgary throwing some big hits and playing physically, we'll see. I want Simmons. <laughs> yeah, these next, uh, you know, these next few games against Edmonton are really, again, going to be the test for Justin Hall. Um, he's really showing that he's our shutdown guy um, on that second pairing, um, and he's going to get a lot of time against McDavid and Drysital in these next few games. And it's, uh, you know, if we can shut one guy down from scoring each game, then you know you can't shut down both of them. But at least you can shut down one of them. Um, the Leafs have a pretty good shot of, you know, winning again all four of these games. I'll just throw in, though, if Edmonton is able to win these two, like, you know, I don't want that to happen, but if they can, they really close the gap in the standings, so they'd be at 28 to the 30 of the Leafs. Uh, that's going to be some extra push for them to get that done. Do you think that Edmonton's going to be able to keep that up? Um, or do you think they're just on a bit of a surge right now, playing the right teams, getting some points in the uh, um, banked in the standings? Because, you know, we played them a couple times. You know, we did lose one game in overtime and they lost the one yep. in regulation at the beginning of the season. But I think each game Toronto has looked like the better team. Um, obviously Edmonton's got the, the big two, but I feel like Toronto doesn't really have a, uh, a real matched opponent right now in the division. Um, if, you know, Smith and Koskinen can suddenly you know, start playing like all-star goalies and, you know, keeping the, the pucks out of that, which they've shown that they're, you know, not the best tandem to be able to do that. If they can, then yeah, maybe they have a shot to take the numbers of one spot. But I think once Campbell gets back and Anderson can get a little bit of rest, I think they've got the, the goalie tandem that's going to be able to carry them in the first place. Just to jump in there on the goalies, Edmonton has been on a bit of a tear, I think because of the return of Smith, that they feel mm -hmm. a little bit more confident. Koskinen had... I think three straight games off. Last night was his first game in a while to get some of that extra rest. And Smith had uh, basically a shutout against Ottawa, but had the Larson goal against him. Um, he did have a real shutout against, uh, I think it was Vancouver or somebody, I don't know. But he's been pretty solid overall. I think he showed a little bit of weakness and, uh, and put out a, a bad egg recently. But having that tandem back, I think is giving Edmonton a little bit more confidence and is fueling this resurgence. So if they're if they're playing a hot hand, it's gonna be, you know, fire against fire on these Edmonton games. And that's interesting because Calgary Flames are the, the fire team. <laughs> well, and uh, Calgary's had a bad couple of games. Uh so they're also gonna be wanting to get back up in there in the standings and kind of prove so they're gonna be throwing the big hits. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be interesting looking forward to these two kind of mini-series against some Western teams. And let's look back for a second, though. We did obviously recap the 6-5 just crap that the Leafs decided to do this past Monday. And and then they, they did respond for sure with two wins against the Ottawa Senators. However, as Leaf fans, we did not feel safe at all. Hmm. <laughs> like each game, the first one, the Leafs really tentative, didn't want to make any mistakes, pulled out a 2-1 squeaker win. And then the second game, or I guess the Thursday game against Ottawa, they went up 5-1. And I just, I started screaming. I'm like, no, 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 this can't happen. Everybody stop. Yep. And then it was 5-2. And I'm like, everybody stop moving. <laughs> don't do anything. Oh my God. It was crazy. I think so we've learned just, that 3-1 is safe, 4-1 is not okay, 5-1 is worse. It's just, what the heck <laughs> is any lead safe with these Leafs? What, like, what, what do I, you guys think? Is any lead safe? You know, I kind of think right now the Leafs are having a little too much fun with offense. 
Um, and and uh, by all means, I do not want to see the goals slow down. I love watching these giant like points racked up by Marner and Matthews and everybody for that matter. Like everybody seems to be scoring a little bit right now, which is great. Kerfoot got two goals in the last three games. Uh, good for him. You know, like I, I don't know if any lead is safe, um, but I'd really like to see a little bit more kind of solidity with the defense. Anderson is playing pretty well in net in the last uh, couple games he's had to bail the Leafs out a few times. Um, but you know, who knows, man, this, uh, a wild season so far. You know, I think he's been looking great. Um, and when it comes to, you know, you're saying about, uh, trying to keep a lead, I think Sheldon Keefe is, you know, really trying to point, push the point home for the team. You know, their offense can get going at the beginning. They've shown that they can get a lead early in the game. Um, last night he benched, uh, Nylander for the last, what, six minutes of the game. Cause not that he, you know, wasn't playing well offensively, just that he wasn't playing this style of game that he wanted to for him to play, you know, defensively to hold a lead. Um, so if Keefe is really going to hammer that point home with these guys that, you know, get up early, um, you know, get the goals in now and then tighten it up. Yeah, absolutely. I'd also just like to see the third period kind of them able to sustain their um, puck possession. I'd like that to be able to happen in the third period. What we're seeing is a lot of other teams scoring in the third period where the Leafs aren't answering. And that's kind of what's, you know, bringing them down a bit, if anything can be said to be bringing them down. Well, I thought they looked pretty good against Montreal last night. Except for that one goal that Toffoli scored at the end of the game there when uh, Muzzin was down and out. But other than that, I feel like uh, Toronto had a pretty good third period. I, I agree. They did. Yeah, they got to keep the pedal down. Really important to keep these goals going. But like Craig said, tightening up that defense. Speaking of keeping the pedal down, sometimes the pedal goes a little too far and pushes the goalie into the net with the puck. And we saw this, believe it or not, twice this week in Leafs games. One time with Thornton pushing, uh, I believe it was Matt Murray, into the net with the puck, and the goal was immediately disallowed. And then the uh, same thing happened to Montreal. They pushed Anderson into the net. However, it was initially called a goal, and then the refs reviewed it. It wasn't challenged right away. It was just, okay, we weren't 100% sure, so we're going to review this. And they said, nope, still a good goal on the ice. And then after that, Sheldon Keefe decided to <laughs> challenge for goaltender interference, and they go back, and they're like, actually, uh, no goal. Yes, there was goal interference because it was pushed into the net. Uh, what the heck? So that took a solid 15 minutes out of our lives to just reiterate what they decided with the Thornton goal. And I, if I'm not wrong, it was the same refs for those two games, or at least one of the refs was definitely in both those games. Yes, it was. Yeah. What, what the heck? Are, are there rules in hockey? Do they exist? <laughs> are they dumb? Or like, what's, what's going on with the rules, gentlemen? You know, I actually had a chance to think about this one today. I, uh, um, I think the first review, I don't believe they can initially check for goaltender interference. So if it's good goal on the ice, I think they took it upstairs just to make sure that it went in, you know, naturally. And that because it sat right on the line there for a bit. There was a whistle. Um, they wanted to make sure that it was a good goal. Just, you know, things that they have to do. And then the challenge was for the goaltender interference. Um, that's what I think. The NHL did put out a statement saying, you know, it was disallowed because the goalie was pushed, but they made no reference to the first review. I think that's what it was. I think the first review was just the general, you know, dotting the I's, crossing the T's, making sure that the goal did go in, and then it had to be challenged. But until we actually hear something from the NHL, which I, we probably won't, um, I think it's just going to stay one of those weird mysteries. Oh, I'd be surprised if the NHL would throw out uh, more on this goal. But I, I have a slight, like, a similar theory, but slightly different. Um, so I think what happened in the first, in the Thornton goal, I don't think that should have been a goal, and that it was counted not a goal. So I think that was correct. Uh, Thornton did shove the pad, um, and it was kind, of, it was pretty obvious because the puck was in front of uh, the pad, and you could see it all going through the net. The second goal was a little harder to judge because the puck was behind. Um, Anderson's pad 
And so uh, it was a little bit more obscured. But I also think it had to do with actually where the ref that called the goal a goal was situated on the ice. In the Thornton goal, he was beside the net, could clearly see it being pushed in. And then in the uh, um, Anderson version, he was, you know, behind the goal, called that a goal. So my feeling is what happened is when they reviewed it, they stuck with the goal, stuck with it, calling it a goal because that is the original call of the ref on the ice. And then when the Leafs called them on it, they said, okay, yeah, there was goalie interference or whatever they finally decided I didn't see. But um, I think it also had to do with kind of positionality and them not wanting to overturn a goal um, from the ref that called it, because they always try and avoid that. Yeah, I get that. I get that. Uh, Very quick question, yes or no. Do you think either of these goals would have been called back uh, or denied if we were in the playoffs? I think Jumbo's Jumbo's goal would have been called back because it was a little bit more cut and dry. You know, the puck was out in the open. You could see he was the goalie was clearly pushed. I think that one will get called back, you know, in the playoffs. The one, the Montreal goal, I think it'd be a little bit harder for the ref to call that back um, just because it was a little bit more iffy. It, it was definitely pushed, but at the same time, you know, the puck was right on the line, yada, yada, yada. I think they you know, they're going to toss a coin on that one um, in the playoffs. And and that's not what we want to see. We, we've been talking for, what, five minutes about this. We're three fans that have been watching hockey for 30 years. We should know what the rules are, right? Yeah. We should know how yeah, these rules work. So. It, it, it's just too confusing. They, they, you know, things like that. There should be a cut and dry explanation um, about what it is. And, you know, when there is a weird thing like this, the NHL should be putting out a press release saying, this is why the rule, this is the rule. You know, this is why we made the call the way it was. Uh, you know, just to leave us all kind of hanging and guessing what it's going to be. Um, you know, it, it makes it really hard to, you know, say that, yeah, the ref made the right call. Um, it just makes the fans a little bit more angry. I'm sure Montreal fans were very unhappy after that uh, that call last night. I'm actually going to disagree, Craig. I if for the NHL to justify every goal that they have to review, um, where does it end? I mean, goalie takes a stick to the face. Like, are they going to review oh, that? Well, and say, <laughs> well that that that's just, a whole I different like thing because be... that things like that have happened and they've called good goals. So that's the thing. I think I sent you yeah. guys the one last night from a couple of years ago when uh, Devin Dubnik was elbowed in the face as he as the guy was coming across right. the crease. And they called it a good goal. So who knows what yeah. uh, what is goaltender interference and you know players can now see that you might as well try because it's fifty fifty whether or not they're going to call it interference or whether or not they're going to call it back. That's fair, and they also did talk about a little bit. I mean, more as uh, in the commentary than the actual um, <laughs> referee's decision. But you know, both players were pr- were pushed from behind. So was it really their fault or was it the player pushing them from behind? So who knows? But I, I think. Uh, Kyle, to answer your question in a bunch of words, um, I think in a playoff version, that would be uh, not allowed for either. I think they'd play it safe, and if there was any question, they would kind of uh, not not let it go. Awesome. What a topic. Talking about the NHL rules. Wow. (laughs) Stupid, man. (laughs) Let's move away from this stuff. We've got a bigger Leaf topic to talk about. We're going to get to our Capital Corner. And for this week, I got a chance to talk with our good friend Rob. He is a Sens fan and lives in Ottawa. Uh, A bit of a longer interview so you guys can get to know him. And then when we bring him back in a couple weeks when they get to play the Sens again, um, we'll, we'll get to ask him a couple more questions on how they've developed and things like that. Here's an interview with Rob. All right, we are here with Rob, our buddy Rob, and he is our first Sens fan to join the Leafs Fans and Hostile Lands podcast. Welcome, Rob. Hey, how is it? How are you? Good, good, good. So uh, a couple quick questions. So the uh, uh, million fans, I think we're up to a million now, uh, fans get to know who you are. Uh, when uh, when did you start cheering for the Sens? Um, well, that's, uh, try not to sound like a cliche hockey person, but growing up in a small town outside of Ottawa, I've been, uh, I've been cheering for the Sens as long as I can remember, you know, so back to, you know, back to the original 92, not, maybe not that far, but just ever since they've been in existence, my dad's been a fan of them and I follow, uh, 
follow with them with cheering for the team. Nice, nice. What uh, what are some of your favorite players on this end so far? So let's think uh, one from the past and one who is uh, currently on the team. Um, for the past, I've always been a, a goalie man. And I always had a like a Damian Rhodes jersey growing up uh, that, you know, sad to see him go in, to Atlanta when they started. But then it was Patrick Laleem and, you know, and even now to Anderson. And uh, right now, got to say it's for the present, Brady Kachuk. Uh, he shares a birthday with yeah. my son. So I've been I've been going crazy for Brady Kachuk. You know, he's that pain in the Pain in the butt that one of those players you hate to play against, but I think I'm, every guy would want him on his team. Yeah, absolutely. He is a pest, and his brother even more so. And I think uh, Brady will kind of grow into his own here in a couple years. And you can just like you can just see the way he plays. He's like he's not fun to play against, but you're right. Everybody wants him on the team. Like he's he's, he's always he's always there in front of the net. You know he's upsetting people and you know he gets people off their game you know that's what you want in a player but you also want him to be able to score shoot he's got the hands and that the new nhl you just can't have someone being a goon and not being able to actually play the game yeah yeah kind of a a double-edged sword now so it's a a really valuable player to have you're throwing out some names that uh you know i i remember like vaguely with some of the goalies and stuff so i want to dig into that a little bit so i'm like what's what's been your favorite you know, sends period of time since you've been cheering for them. I know 2017, they went to the conference final and like late nineties, early two thousands, first, second round sort of thing was always Leafs against sends. And yeah. that rivalry was, was really hot then. So which, which kind of period of the sends has been your favorite? Um, it's definitely the, the early two thousands to basically the 2010s to present and that that's when, you know, as a 10 year old boy, like that's where I really start focusing and understanding what I'm watching. You know, I was lucky enough to experience that as a kid growing up when, you know, the Sens were at their prime, they were winning the division here and there, and, mm-hmm. you know, and it's unfortunate that they lose to the Leafs, but they always had, they were always cup contenders, you know, with, uh, like lean, lean back and I'm up at net. Like again, like uh, being a goalie guy, I just I loved watching him play and that, and you know, seeing that, seeing that goal against New Jersey always kind of it breaks your heart as a sense fan. But yeah, it's it what happens. Every every team's got that one heartbreak moment. We've got a couple in the Leafs, that's for sure, and we're gonna talk about <laughs> one of those today. <laughs> uh, it's again, it's one of those depending on who you're you're talking to. Obviously, a sense fan, it's one of the greatest moments now, and well, especially with our you know we're we're so low right now, it's. it's want to grab everything that's a positive yeah absolutely so the sends are are definitely in a rebuild for sure and we know about kachuk and we know about murray and some of the veterans that have come in like step on and and dadnoff and things like that who's a player that you know we should keep an eye on either this year or for years to come especially as leaf fans like someone to to watch out for kind of other than brady kachuk we know about him like who's who's someone that's probably going to be up and coming that we should be worried about. Well, like, like you said, like Kachuk, it's an obvious one. Stutzel, obvious one. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm hoping that, you know, Brandstrom, he turns out to be what we promised. You know, we trade Mark Stone for him. You expect mm-hmm. something out of him. And he shows, uh, you know, those glimmer of hope in that. Same with Zub, even. You know, I, I completely forgot when the season started about him because he was this random signing after the pause of the NHL break back in April that they sign uh, Zub and it's like, Oh shit, I forgot all about that guy. And here he is. And, you know, he has this nice goal against the Leafs. He's been playing well defensively. He's, he's been putting in those minutes you want to see and getting the job done. So I guess I'd go with Zub as being the Wayne one. Uh, there's a, there's a few of them, but Zub's a nice, nice one that to look out for. Is he uh, like an undrafted player? I don't know much about him. Undrafted. He was signed last year. I remember there being talks that, uh, it was around April, so the NHL already had their pause on the season, and there's always this talk about he was he was playing in Russian or uh, Russia, and he was undrafted, and they needed. I don't know the other teams at the top of my head that were in on it, but he was a he was a big signing, not not big big, but it was a good pickup from Ottawa, and I never really looked into it more than that because the league was frozen. We're trying to deal with this crazy pandemic, and it just kind of goes in one year and out the other until the season started. Oh, I forgot yeah, about signing in the that weeds sort of thing. Exactly. Yeah. So he was a ple- pleasant surprise to see that, you know, he has been doing well, and 
he's turning out to hopefully be again like the player that the uh, Dorian thought they got when they signed him. Yeah, nice. Yeah, we got a couple of players like that on the Leafs that came over from the KHL undrafted. We got Miko Lettinen and uh, Barabanov, and you know they're not getting a chance to get in the lineup like Zub is on a on a rebuilding team. So we're gonna see how it goes with those guys uh, this year, and and if if they decide to sign again, if if they even want to come back because they don't get a chance to play, it's it's gonna be weird. Well, and that's it. Like I know I, I don't think Zub signed more than two years, so it's another one where you know you get to see him. Plus, the rest of the NHL gets to see him now right. a lot more. And you know, if other teams are willing to put money towards him, then they could easily try and uh, obviously they can't talk to him till his contract's almost up, but they'll 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 be there if he hasn't signed. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so this is a Leafs podcast. We got to talk about the Leafs a little bit. Do you have <laughs> a, a favorite player on the Leafs that's currently on the team? I gotta say it's Mitch Marner. You know, uh, he just—he's a likable guy. He's got the skill in that. He's—he's he's great with the puck. He's—he's he's not a over over kind of cocky player in the media and that. He just a very humble guy and. He's one of the guys that I say, look, if you know, if he was on any other team, I would probably buy his jersey in that because he's that good of a player. Yeah, absolutely, and we feel the same way. I know the media, you know, ripped him apart when he got his contract and held out for so long. Really, a, a difficult time, but he's but he earned that contract absolutely, you know, and he's still earning it. Uh, second guest on the Leafs fans and Hostile Lands podcast to say Mitch Marner, their their favorite player. All right, so we had a couple. Uh, Sens games, Sens v. Leafs games this week. Monday was interesting, to say the least. Uh, <laughs> the Leafs have had their demons with a 4-1 lead, and now I guess we have demons with a 5-1 lead. But the other two games, the Leafs were able to bounce back with a with a 2-1 win and a, uh, what is it, 7-3 win. 7-3, yeah. Yeah, the other night. Um, we are always look at the Leafs and, and who stands out on the Leafs team. In these three games, and they were very different, who who stood out on the Sens or, or what stood out to you about the Sens play against the Leafs in these past three games? For what stood out to me, the defense, I thought the first two games, uh, you know, started playing a bit better. Obviously, the third game, the whole team struggled a bit. Um, yeah. But the first two games, you know, the defense played well. They had, the, you know, they had their goaltending. It's just I think that's the problem with the, the, the way the schedule is set up this year. When you play a team a certain amount of times, especially, they're so different, right? You have the Leafs at the top of the standings. You have the Sens at the bottom. You know, no matter if you play a team three times, the Leafs are finally going to understand, okay, these are Ottawa's tendencies. They're going to start exploiting them. And they didn't have an answer for any lines. But the first two games, I thought the defense and goaltending played well. And the 6-5 game, that's still just a, it's a fluke. You know, not we sure every hope so. Oh man, that is terrifying. <laughs> not, not every yeah, that's it. I and you know the, the jokes were happening uh, yesterday when it was five one and then it was five two yeah. the Leafs and it's like oh are they gonna do this again? But <laughs> no, they they were able to solve Murray a few times last night and it's unfortunate that hopefully Hopeberg's not out for the long term because you know he had a couple of bad games against Edmonton. He had a nice bounce back game I thought against uh, Toronto. Yeah, you know. Uh, yeah, he led in five goals, but when the team needed him to make the stops, he made the stops that were required. Yeah, we definitely noticed that as well. Let's stick on that for a second here. Uh, Murray and Hogberg, what do you got, What do you think about this tandem, or are you looking towards a goalie that's uh, in the system? The thing was, like when you when you replace Craig Anderson, you know, he he was never like the biggest name in the league, but he was that he was the guy that he holds all the records for Ottawa goaltending wise, mm-hmm. most of them at least. So replacing him, you knew you had to replace him. Some you go out, you sign Murray. You know, there's no preseason. He has a bad start, but the last few games, he's really found. I thought his uh, his calling. His, you know, he's made the stops. He's needed. He's got there. And for Hodberg, he's still a young guy. He's going in. Hopefully, he finds his uh, spot too and starts. You know, both of them show some improvement. Uh, but Gustafson, Gustafson's always been the goalie that in our system that I've really taken a close eye on. Uh, he came over from uh, the Derek Broussard trade to Pittsburgh a few years back, and he's been doing okay in the, the AHL. Um, he's shown some glimmers of, holy cow, I can't believe he stopped that stuff. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he's like every developing goalie. You know, he's made the mistakes or easy goals where you're like, yeah, you got to stop that. 
he he's one that I'm I've been always keeping a close eye on, and I'm hoping he does become the next uh, the next big starter for the team that can challenge like Craig Anderson's records and that. Nice, nice. All right, last one. We know the Sens are rebuilding. How long until the Sens are <laughs> back in the playoffs, or how long until they're back in contention like they had been in uh, in previous years? <laughs> that's a you know that's a question that I think every Sens fan wants answered and. Truthfully, it's. I think it's going to come down to it's. It's going to come down to Melnick. It, it has nothing to do with how the team is. I think the team right now is built for improvement, but it's going to come down to Melnick if he's going to sign these players. Yeah. Uh, I know it's a running joke with the team in that, but I really hope that you know Kachuk is up at the end of this year. Kachuk needs a contract to play next year with Ottawa, so you, you got to give him his money. If that is eight, nine, ten million dollars, you give them the man. Right. Like that's a, and that's what I think it's really going to come down to is you have the Shabbat, you have Stutzel that it's obviously in his first year. Colin White got his bid overpaid contract, but hey, he got a decent contract. You have Shabbat signed for eight years. Like you have the pieces there, but you need that young core. Sure, you can go out and sign the Stepans, the good Bransons. You know, they have Austin Watts and, you know, you have these veteran players that they brought in, but those are just filler one two year fillers but you need that core sign long term and that's what i think is going to dictate how long a rebuild for the sense is going to be if they can re-sign the core and start building around there and developing chemistry throughout the years you know bringing in bat batherson formington willan and Shalapic, all these young guys that are coming up and are going to need decent contracts so uh i think it really just like i said it comes down to melnick if he's willing to sign out these players Remember his uh, little interview with uh, Borovetsky? He said, look, by like 2024 or whatever, he wants to be a contender. I think yeah. if they sign these players, and he, they can definitely do that. They've shown glimmers of hope this year where, you know, they can go with Toronto. You know, you're talking about a Toronto, the team that's, what, eight, ten points up on Montreal for first and second in the division. Yeah. Like, they're, they're a dominant team. And if you're able to keep up with them, you're showing that, hey, you're doing something right. So yeah. it's hoping three, four years at four years, we can call him a Stanley cup contender. But again, if Melnick just allows these players to go and nothing happens, then, you know, you might as well add another 20 years to that four years. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and the Leafs, you know, drafted Austin Matthews 2016. So we're in, we're in year five now. And I think this is the yeah. first year where a serious cup contender. Uh, so a similar timeline for the Sens, I think. And I think it'll be interesting to see how Dorian and like you said, Melnick, uh, decide to play the pay these players uh, and how yeah. it may differ from you know the Dubas and Shanahan method that'll be interesting to see how uh, how the money is different or the or the players and how they negotiate and things like that it's a different yeah. market too it is it's you know uh, I've always looked at you know a silly little analogy but the Ottawa Senators are a thin Oreo cookie but instead of the thin cookies on the outside, you have these 200-year-old franchises smushed around your tiny little market. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, that's the, always been the downside to Ottawa is within a four-hour from Montreal to Toronto, you have two of the oldest historic franchises in the NHL. And you're just this little 25-year-old franchise trying to find its wings with a million people in the city versus four or five million of Toronto and Montreal. So. It's it's always been a struggle for them to you know get the the fanship that they deserve. You take the punches, you deal with it, and you move on. So that's a metaphor we can all relate to. Absolutely, <laughs> we are all on board with that metaphor. Thank you very much, Rob, for coming on to the podcast. We are looking forward to having you back next time Not the problem. Leafs and Sens play. I think it's uh, mid March or something. So uh, that's it for this interview with Rob. Thanks so much for coming on, man. Not a problem. Anytime. Awesome. Thank you so much, Rob, for uh, coming on to our podcast. Let's get back to the Maple Leafs. Uh, Dan, I remember us talking during some of these games, and you were mentioning uh, the second line again. We've talked about them quite a bit. What are our favorite versions? What's going on with them? What did you see over these past three games with our second line, most of the time being Tavares and Nylander and a third human of some kind? (laughs) Third. That's a great way to put it, a third human of some kind. Um, well, you know, so my opinion on this has slightly changed, but I don't know if it's changed for the right reason. So 
I wasn't feeling great about the second line. I wasn't feeling great about Kerfoot. I wasn't feeling great about Tavares' play over the last couple games. And then Kerfoot scores two goals. So I'm more happy about the second line over the last three games because, we, you know, it's been producing a little bit. Um, but is two goals really going to sway my opinion? So I'm I'm struggling with that right now, Kyle. I don't know how I feel about the second line. Um, I I know that I'm really enjoying our third line and I wish that our second line would play a little bit more like our third line sometimes. Um, I think Nylander's struggling a bit. Um, he's, I don't know. I, I hate to rag on Nylander because he takes a lot of crap from people, but he's not having the last like 10 games haven't been great for him. Um, Tavares is playing so, so he, I think he had a goal, one goal in the last three games, but like, yeah, the seven, three game. Right, but who didn't have a goal in the last three games? Like, <laughs> yeah. it, you know, it's hard not to when you're scoring, what was that, like 12, 14 goals over the three games? So, yeah. Um, and just to just to recap a little bit, uh, Kerfoot has been moved from third line center to on the wing with Tavares and Nylander, at least over the past right. two games, and Engvall has gone up to third line center. And I know you mentioned the the third line, they they do look pretty good, and they I look think they better look than the second. Yeah, and I think they look good because they got a bit of a chip on their shoulder. They're they're kind of kind of playing for their jobs a little bit. Like they've mostly been in the lineup, but they're getting a chance to play a little bit more. They're getting a chance to be the fast line, and Hyman down on that line. Like we mentioned this before, Hyman just energizes any line, and I really enjoyed that about the third Seems line, to. like you said, Dan. Um, and Kerfoot moving up to the second line was great, but I don't think anything that Tavares or Nylander was doing or were doing were helping Kerfoot get those goals. I think that was, you know, it, it was Kerfoot. His effort. It was his effort. Yeah. Um, Tavares, well, one of them was Muzzin. <laughs> yeah. Was yeah. the pass from Muzzin. Yeah. Tavares, I think, is an excellent player, and he's an excellent two-way player. So I don't want to harp on Tavares too much because um, he is the captain, and I feel like he has a different role. The goal scorers are Matthews and Marner, and Tavares yep. is is taking something different, especially coming from the Islanders being the top dog, and he was the one scoring the goals all the time. Now Tavares is becoming more of the leader, showing how to be a great defensive player and uh, things like that. But Nylander, ah, I've, got, I've got some problems with him right now. He was yep. benched for you know lack of a better term for the last six minutes craig touched on that how he wasn't being uh very defensive craig what do you have to say about nylander well first i want to touch on what you're saying about Tavares. um you know a lot of guys are harping on him a little bit because you know he doesn't look like he's being as productive as he is but he's got 17 points this season 17 points in 19 games that's not bad there you that's know fair. there's probably 100 guys in the league that would love to have 17 points right now um, but for Nylander, they, they need something to give them a little bit more energy. And I think Tavares is getting frustrated. I'm not sure if, you know, if it's with Nylander or with himself, but, um, I think he's looked better with Kerfoot. Um, the game against Ottawa there, I know they brought Marner down to the second line and moved Nylander up to the first line with Matthews, tried to give both Nylander and Tavares a little bit more, uh, confidence. Nylander did not look great up with Matthews. Um, Tavares got a goal. So um, I, yeah. I don't know what to do with Nylander right now. I think it's just all in his head. He, I think he just needs a little bit more, you know, a little bit more motivation. Um, I don't know if it's from his teammates, if it's from the coach, if it's just something he needs to figure out himself. But I don't think he looks terrible, but I just don't think he's, you know, looking the way that he could be looking right now so i'm looking at his stats right now and uh, given he has not he's gotten two points in the last eight games so he's had a, a rough february we'll say uh but he is still even having a rough february fifth for points and fifth for shots on the team so you know he's maybe in a slump but we know he can produce, so hopefully he can figure out, as you said, Craig, what's going on and uh, get back to it. But I, I don't think we should give up hope on him yet. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say 
time to give up hope on him. I think he just needs to, uh, you know, get his head in the game a little bit more because um, it's just more of his defensive game than his offensive game. Like, yeah, you're saying he's fifth in the team of points, but um, more often than not, he seems like his passes are, you know, a little bit off or a little too soft. And he just seems to be creating too many turnovers, um, which is obviously not what they want to be seeing right now. I agree. A lot of turnovers. Good point. All right. You guys say don't give up, but I've got a trade for you. <laughs> it's, it's a it's a one for one, but it it could involve some more stuff, and you guys are welcome to uh, add to it or think, okay, we need to add some picks to it or another person, stuff like that. But let me start you off to give you some context. This is William Nylander at the door. William Nylander has four years. Uh, including this year, so three more years left on his contract at six point nine million and change. He's twenty four years old. More often than not, he plays in the wing. I think they should trade Nylander for Johnny Goudreau. Hmm. Johnny Goudreau oh. is a winger. He only has one more year left on his deal, and he's being paid six point seven five million dollars. And I don't think you would get much of a raise after this with the last couple seasons. May not get enough of a raise. I think, hear me out for a second before you you uh, tell me I'm absolutely wrong. Um, I think, you know, a new scenery for both of these players, even though Johnny's playing relatively well this year, uh, if Calgary kind of continues to go down the drain, I think they may be looking for some freshening up in the lineup. And uh, sending Johnny Gurudro out is definitely going to send a message. Uh, Toronto's going to have a little bit more flexibility then. They're going to be, uh, you know, a little less money on the cap. It's only like $200,000, but um, that's still something. They're either potentially going to re-sign Johnny Gurudrow if things are working out, if Johnny likes it, or he goes a little bit earlier, and then they have some more money freed up earlier as well in 2022, as opposed to... William Nylander for an extra two years after that. What do you guys think? Johnny Goudreau for William Nylander. Let's start with uh, Dan. Sir, I will take your trade. When I watch Calgary, I watch Goudreau. I, I really enjoy watching him. He's a fast player. He scores a lot of goals. He's uh, a good winger. He, I, yeah, you know, I, I'm just looking at a few stats here right now, and he is... Um, only getting better uh, over. So he started his uh, career in 2013, 14. He's steadily increased in points. He's steadily increased in um, assists, which is something the Leafs are loving right now. And then I look at Willie and it's just not the same. Um, he's having good years. He's having bad years. I believe there was a season he was injured for a good chunk of the season. I, I might be getting my players mixed up, but um. I would take your trade, and I'd probably give you a third-round pick. <laughs> yeah, maybe a little extra. Craig, what do you think? Yeah. Do you think uh, Calgary would go for this? Uh, is Kudrow a RFA or a UFA at the end of the contract? UFA, as is Nylander. Hmm. You know what? I I don't hate... I, 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 I'm I for this trade. Um, I like the way you were saying um, about getting out from underneath that cap hit a little bit earlier. Um, I feel like his, uh, Goudreau's, you know, six and three quarter million dollar contract is kind of what I would expect him to get on his next, uh, on his next contract after this, especially with a flat cap right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and that means that they can address their goalie issue if they were out from underneath that six and six and a half million dollars. Um, cause no, they are very heavy on the top, you know, top of their uh, the Leafs are very heavy at the top of their salary cap. Um, mm-hmm. Hmm. You know what? I don't hate that. I don't know if that's what, if Calgary would go for that. Um, now, Nylander is, well, was born in Calgary. So maybe he'd be a little bit more uh, inclined to, you know, take that trade as well. Um, do you know if he has any sort of uh, no movement clause or anything on his contract? He does not. So- the only one of the big guys that has a no move is actually John Tavares. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> really? Yeah. I don't. So, I don't. I don't hate that. I think that uh, would solve a couple different issues for Toronto. Um, 
I think with Nylander's play over the last, you know, the, well, at least this season, they might have that in that third, like you were saying, Dan. But cap hits are pretty similar. Their productions are, you know, relatively similar. You know, like mm-hmm. looking at Gaudreau, he had 60 points last season, 18 goals. Nylander, I believe, had 31 goals last season. Um, but he seems to be a, be supplanted on that top power play where he got a lot of his points. Um, yeah, I'd love to see, you know, uh, you know, maybe a more of a pass first guy beside Tavares. Cause obviously when he played beside Martyr a couple seasons ago, he was scoring some of the easiest uh, goals of his career with those, uh, those nice passes. Yeah. And a little, a little more speed on that line too. Good trade, Kyle. That's Way solid. To go. I finally did a good one. Um, I, I'm not sure if, you know what? I think Calgary would go through, through right away because Nylander's ceiling, I think is a little bit higher. Being three years younger, 24, Goudreau's 27. Um, they shake it up a little bit more. You know, I'm going to go back to it. I think throwing in Bennett wouldn't be the worst idea either. Maybe we have to throw in a higher pick uh, to compensate or a Pierre Engvall or even a Jimmy VC sort of thing. Something low risk because uh, Bennett is an RFA after this year, so we kind of have to deal with that headache afterwards. But... Yeah, I'm 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 surprised this isn't being talked about more. Maybe I should call up uh, Elliot Friedman and be like, "Hey man, hey man, you, you want to bring yeah, me get, on a hockey night rumors, Canada? Uh, I got get this. the rumor swirling." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you okay. gotta start tweeting this, Kyle. Get this uh, trade idea out there. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Yeah, didn't you say looked... you've got a direct uh, line to Kyle Dubas? Oh, I do. I once I got to once I got his uh, his glasses that are very similar and kind of have a similar haircut. We just, we connected, um, by, uh, ES, ESPN or ESP, ESPN. <laughs> there's, a, there's, there's a mean girls uh, drop for you. <laughs> okay. Let's move on to our newest segment here. Quick shifts. Who's going to be taking this quick shifts? I'll do, I'll do the quick shift this week. All right. All right so actually we kind of let, you know, the, your nice little trade, uh, led me into my first thing I wanted to ask you guys about. Um, I, I saw something this week. Uh, someone was saying that in the off season this year, um, Toronto might be backing up the money truck to uh, Jordan Bennington, um, trying to steal him out of St. Louis. You know, he did take a, I think a four and a half million dollar contract right now to try to, you know, bet on himself. And he seems to have shown that he, uh, that he's done it. So he's in, in line for a big upgrade this season. Um, do you think that's someone that Toronto should go for? You know, or... I wouldn't hate Bennington. He's a good goalie. Um, I think the Leafs, I, I like Anderson, but we could always use a shakeup in, in, in net. Uh, yes, Bennington, please. Yes, please. Um, <laughs> I think uh, I think they will have a very hard time getting him away from St. Louis. Uh, St. Louis, I think, is going to offer him a lot of money because I don't think they have a lot in the uh, goalie pipeline. Um, but if Toronto is able to offer, you know, six, seven ish, and maybe the William Nylander trade is able to help that or getting rid of some other, uh, things I'm, I'm down with it. Uh, wool, wool, I think needs to get some time though. And that might mean having to get rid of Campbell, which is a risk Mm. for sure. And I don't like it, but you know, Justin wool, he's, he's, I think he's might be the real deal, but we got to find out, right? Playing in the AHL is one thing. Playing in the NHL is completely different. Yes, Bennington, maybe not Campbell. That's where we find the cap space. Speaking of goalies, what are your thoughts on Anderson right now? After the bit of a slow start, um, his save percentage is creeping up. Um, he's made some really big saves to save the game for Toronto in the last week or so. Um, what are your thoughts on Anderson right now? I like Anderson. Uh, I think he's playing well, and he's kind of bailing out some of the key defensive um foibles we've been having on the ice uh lately but um i i also think he's doing well because our offense is doing well and you know he's got a 905 save percentage 2.69 goals against that's not playoff goalie you know i don't think that's going to get us where we need to be uh for playoffs i i think his offense is bailing him out and making him look good right now i like him uh he's bailing out the team a bunch I am worried about the playoffs. I don't know if he's going to be able to get us through multiple rounds. If he goes down an injury, Campbell, again, not sure if he can take us through multiple rounds unless he pulls a Jordan Bennington or hmm. a Matt Murray. 
Um, I'm worried about the future. I like them right now. Last night, day, <laughs> all day, there was an outdoor game played at Lake Tahoe, which uh, possibly broke the record for the longest NHL game um, at something like 11 hours to play it. I saw Nathan McKinnon scored nine after nine hours after he uh, assisted on the first goal. <laughs> um, now, with this outdoor game down in the States, you no, know, it was a beautiful picturesque spot in the mountains with the nice trees all around it. No you know, no fans there, no stands. In a perfect world, if Canada were to hold a game like that, no fans in the stands, you know, beautiful picturesque spot, where would you want to have it and which teams would you want to see? Well, I mean, obviously, I think the Leafs should be a part of that. Um, I would love to watch them play an outdoor game. Where? Uh, they talked a little bit about Lake Louise or somewhere in Alberta last night during the game. I think, and this is, you know, kind of a nod to Ottawa right now and the fact that we all live here, I think it'd be cool to do something like Dow's Lake. And, you know, I know it's asking oh. a lot, um, but I think it's big enough. I think they could get a couple, like, back games going. You know how they do, like, the Hockey Day in Canada where they've got a whole bunch of things on the ice? I think they've done games on Dow's Lake before. I think it would be a pretty cool nod to uh, do it there again. And And if it was there. Obviously, I think it should be a Leafs and Ottawa matchup. Uh, yeah, somewhere in the Rockies would be cool. Um, maybe Battle of Alberta. But I think we need something out east. I feel like we we leave them hanging sometimes. The most eastern team is Montreal. Somewhere like Newfoundland would be super cool. Oh, that'd be good. Even mm -hmm. like a northern Quebec, something like that. Like really, really northern Quebec. Um, a real mystery Alaska kind of game. Yeah, something like that, or or like uh, like Halifax, like something on the, something near the water, and like a harborish area near the water. Uh, I think it would be super cool um, to kind of see the to see the backdrop of Halifax or something like that, and people can watch from from the apartments or or whatever. Uh, somewhere out east, I think is my vote. All right, we are done for today. We gotta finish off with a lovely bet. Before we get to that bet, we want to talk about how things are going with our previous bets. Last week, we had a goals against and save percentage bet for the three games that we covered today. And Craig took this one with the closest two in goals against and closest two in save percentage. That's two wins in a row for Craig. Uh, he's catching up to my, my money lead here. And Dan... Uh, you mentioned you need to uh, remortgage here soon. Is that uh, is that true because of this? Yeah, uh, this uh, is biting into my savings. So I'm hopefully you well. <laughs> uh, hopefully you can get some money back with this bet, Daniel. I believe you have a bet for us for the next four games. We're going to do a four game bet. Yes, gentlemen, uh, it just made sense to do four games. We have two Calgary, two Edmonton coming up. So two wonderful little mini series. Okay, so the bet is: who will we score more goals against? Edmonton or Calgary, and I'll give you a touch of background here, and then I've got a couple side bets. So uh, Calgary has uh, marks from a net. He's got a goals against average of 2.87, a save percentage of 9.09. Edmonton's got Koskinen in net. They've got a goals against average of 3.26 and a save percentage of 9.01. So uh, that's 5th and 12th, respectively, in the league. Who do you think we're going to score more against? Um, so that's the first part. If you can guess how many per series, so that's the both games combined. If you can guess the total number of goals in each series, that's another five bucks. And then for another, the most goals scored on the Leafs only, the top player, so the top player to score the goals. So that's, it's a three-part bet. So I'll get each of your responses first. So Kyle, who do you think will uh, we score more against, Edmonton or Calgary? Okay, Dan, this is what I've got for you for this week's bet. I'm going to say Leafs are going to score more against Calgary. Okay. I'm going to say they score, the Leafs score seven against Calgary and five against Edmonton. Okay. And the last one was uh, which Leaf scores the most? Correct. I have to choose Matthews. Absolutely. I thought you might. Okay. <laughs> And Craig? I think Toronto's going to score more goals against Edmonton. Um, 
I think they're going to score eight goals against Edmonton to six goals against Calgary. Uh, Ooh, and, six goals against Calgary. And again, I think that Matthews is going to score the most goals. That's like kind of a silly question. He's, <laughs> you know, a goal per game pace right now. And I think you're right. I think we're all going to take Matthews on that now that I think about it a little more <laughs> deeply. But okay, so I'll give you guys mine. So I'm going to say uh, with Kyle, Calgary will uh, get most goals scored against. And then I'm going to say we're going to score three against Edmonton and seven against Calgary. My God. So I'm a little more nervous about Edmonton this week. Wow, I think they'll score more than three goals against Edmonton. This is how Craig gets all of his money back. He just wins these bets, and and Dan and I are terrible Leaf fans. <laughs> it's, I'm using my ESPN. <laughs> all right. That was a fun one, guys. We really dug deep into some really cool things. Uh, less of a recap, more of a what's going on with the Leafs and uh, how is how are things moving forward. Uh, thank you very much for listening. I believe we're up to in the 500,000s, uh, something like that. I, I kind of threw Rob for a loop with the million listeners, but 500,000 listeners. I think we're doing pretty well for a uh, mini podcast in Ottawa. Thank you so much for listening. We will uh, have you back next time. Any podcast app that you like to listen to. Go Leafs, go. Go Leafs, go. Go Leafs, go.